PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Episode 459 of Cinema Crespediso. With whoa. authority? Yeah, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's got you all riled up? Relax, guy. Goodness <laughs> goodness gracious. Chill out. Holy cow. We're just here to have a good time. It's me, Chris Crespo. That's Drew Sikogren. Drew, how you doing? Doing okay. And uh, we saw Dune. Spoiler yes. free. Here uh-huh. we go. Jumping into it. What you think? Gorgeous. And that's your Dune review. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. There we go. That's it. We're done. That's all we got. We'll be back next week, episode 460. Um, yeah, we saw Dune on the IMAX screen. First time going to IMAX since, I think, Terrence Malick's Voyage Through Time. Yes, that was the last time we went. Yeah. And that was a weird little movie. That was a weird <laughs> pseudo-documentary. Uh, and then before that, thing was Dunkirk. Probably. Yeah, so, man, it's been a while. Uh, and shot with IMAX cameras. Good so, yeah. see it in the IMAX. Yeah, so there you go. Great reason. The, the, the full format frame and everything. Uh, yeah, the whole time. Uh, man, it's it's uh, immersive. Yeah. More immersive, I think, than 3D. Definitely. Yeah, because you don't have to... The extra None dimension. of the bullshit. Yeah, you don't have the gray b- uh, barrier between you. There's, well, that, there's a you literal all, barrier with and, the glasses. And you also don't have all sorts of things going right in the middle of the screen trying to 3D. Yeah, <laughs> and then it looks dumb when you're watching it at home later and not 3D. Man, like, uh, part of my media diet, I'll just say it now, I rewatched Prometheus. Uh-huh. And another gorgeous, gorgeous movie because it's really got beautiful movie. Um, but there are certain shots where, like, this is three D, four three D, one hundred percent. You're supposed to like look at this technology when it's twenty twenty one. Man, I'm watching in three D. I'm watching nope. it at home. It still looks great, nope. but you can tell it's weird. It is weird. Uh, a, a fun sit watching rewatching Prometheus. That was a that's a good time. I, I enjoy that movie. Um, I wanted to follow it up. Rewatch with the rewatch of Alien Covenant, which oh. I haven't seen since it came out. But uh, it's weird where it's like it's available on some streaming services, but it's like uh, it's on Sling, but live. Like you got to catch it when it's what? or like or DVR it. Okay. When it, yeah, it, I don't know. That's weird. And I think it may be on like the FX app specifically or something. Uh. I'm gonna rewatch it one day though. So um, here's our spoiler-free review of Dune. We we we. Saw Dune yesterday, correct? And in the early evening, recorded an hour-long, spoiler-filled bonus episode where we just randomly talked about as much as we Stuff. could remember, <laughs> yeah, just jumping back and forth. It's very wild. 
Uh, so you can sign up for patreon.com slash crespediso and hear that today or tomorrow, whenever you want to. I don't give a shit. And uh, so here's our spoiler for your review. No details. We're going to talk about the movie. Drew, what did you not like about the movie? Oh, what did I not like? The fact that it's definitely a setup for a part two. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm it's trying, a I, bit I, of a prologue. I, I've got to, I mean, I'm just. Because not much that I don't like about the movie, so I yeah. have to nitpick. Sure, yeah, it's it's a it's a sort of a Fellowship of the Rings. Uh huh. Like, oh, okay, the movie ends with the Fellowship has gotten together. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, okay, so now what the fuck is gonna happen? Now we're going to Mordor <laughs> with the ring, with the one true ring. Yeah, okay. There's more adventures. Mm-hmm. Yes, it it does have a feel of. I don't want to say it's not a complete movie because it still feels complete, but it it's, it does feel like. Stay tuned for the furthering adventures of Dune. Of Dune. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of Dune and his friends. <laughs> but I mean, the world building was something that I haven't seen since the first time I saw Star Wars. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, such a whole, fully realized, cinematically anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Universe. Yeah, yeah, so, for real. Like, I can extrapolate the fact that these people have been around and doing all these things and blah, 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 and it all feels real. Yeah, when they talk about the Harkonnens having, like, 800 years of how many years 80 years mm-hmm. of of profits and like now you're just gonna take that away like wow 80 years that's a that's a whole ass history that's going on that we're just being informed of uh yeah it's a dense movie in terms of like the lore of the characters and the world and all that uh what you can do in a book you can spend five pages talking about uh, the grandfather character and how he's a bullfighter and stuff like that mm-hmm. but in the movie all you, you just do- get you, you, you get he says, my grandfather was a bullfighter. And every once in a while, you see a bullhead, yeah. a bullfighting statue. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it must be important. Yeah, and even, I liked, I'm pretty sure the detail, I'm pretty sure I was seeing this right. Um, when they visit the granddad's grave, that's an image of the bull hitting the matador. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Immemorium, bro. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that sucks. Bull killed him. Also, bullfighting in the year 10,000? Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, cultural thing. You know, some... You want to... I mean, dude, bullfighting in the year 2000. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like (laughs) barbaric now. It's a horrible thing now that uh, Spaniards do, and it's very prevalent over there, and it's very sad. You know the story of um, Ernest... Ernest... Ernest? Ernest. Ernest Hemingway's granddaughter, Muriel Hemingway. Muriel Hemingway. Why can't I get any of these names right? You know, the lady she was in, uh, we talked about her in Spider-Man 2. She was like Lois Lane's rival, that tall, skinny lady. Okay. She's she's in a bunch of stuff in the 80s. She did a bunch of acting and modeling. And uh, when she was young, she went to España and she went to a, I think it was Spain, and she went to a bullfight where it was like, oh shit, Ernst Hemingway, author of The Sun Also Rises. Uh, her his granddaughter is here. Let's make a big deal about it. They they roll out the red carpet. She got like prime seeds. It was a big deal. And then they brought out the first bull and they started fucking killing it. And she started crying. Oh, poor <laughs> her. It was bad, bad oh. situation. It's like what was that name? Who's that girl? Hayden Panettiere. Like wasn't the was standing in that cove with all the dead dolphins crying. Remember oh, that? Remember no. that one? Nope. I think it was her. Um. So Dune uh, doesn't have much to say about it negatively, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, everybody killed it in their roles. Chalamet can hold an entire fucking sci-fi franchise on his back, apparently. Yeah. Yes, he can. I'll, I'll follow mean, this guy. Re- Re- Rebecca Ferguson helps a lot. 
She's fantastic. So they're a great mother son duo. No. Uh, pretty important duo. But then also, you know, we got the Oscar Isaac doing oh, dude, great everybody, dad stuff. Everybody in the supporting cast is fucking amazing. Yeah. He's such a supportive, supportive dad, too. He's, yeah, like, he's uh-huh. a great, great movie dad. Yeah. Where he's like, you just got to be my son. Like, oh, dad. <laughs> man, we all, well, you're, you're America's dad now, Duke Leto. Oh. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Should I cut that out? No. Um, so the, uh, man, it's like, do you think it's too dense for most audiences? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't want it to be. I want to give audiences the benefit of a doubt on this one. I mean, I think it's not dense enough for the nerds. You don't think so? For for the nerds? Fuck Fuck the nerds. I don't give a shit about nerds. I'm talking about general audiences. General, maybe, but at the same time, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. American audiences surprise me sometimes Man, they with can, what they, they, can, they like. They can surprise you sometimes. That's true. I think audiences are stupid, but every now and then they no, get No, exactly. They get it right. Yeah. 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 They'll latch on to something that's actually good. Yeah. What's going on here? No, exactly. <laughs> Did they get it? Are people, starting, think, are people think, starting to get it? I think they fucking got it. I think, I think they understand. I mean, I hope they got it. I, 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 really, I, so. I really want a part two. A part um, Can you look up the box office and let me know? 40 if it, million. 40 million. Okay, so they're estimating 30. Let me give you a couple stats here. $40 million is more for an opening weekend for than um, Godzilla versus King Kong. Okay. Which makes it HBO's biggest opening weekend for a movie that okay. also comes out on HBO. Okay. So it's better than Conjuring. It's, it's better than everything Good. so far this year. Um, and forty million dollars is now easily by ten million dollars the best opening weekend for a Denis Villeneuve movie. Okay, awesome. Because before this, his biggest opening weekend may have been Arrival, around twenty-five million, thirty million, about thirty million. So even though he's become popular in his movies, you know, certain film geek crowds are like, yeah. "Oh, Villeneuve." Uh, they don't have. He doesn't. He hasn't made big blockbusters yet. Well, he, not he, just not just Villain, I mean, financially anyway. Villain makes great movies, but his fucking sci-fi is just on another level which, for whatever reason. Which he's been. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he grew up loving sci-fi, and it's not what he started making because he started with Incendies, and then uh, there's Prisoners, and there's yeah. another one in there. He's he snuck Enemy in there while they're making Prisoners, yeah. which is a fucking. I can't believe more people haven't seen that movie. Yeah, that's a wild. That's a weird, <laughs> that's a weird movie. Um, it's a little too ambiguous for people. I think and heady. Right. It's really heady. Yeah, it's heady. And then the ending is like, huh? Yeah. And then it ends. And you're, like, <laughs> you're like, what? And I was just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah Denise, like, <laughs> it's not for you to understand. Look, I got a straight up hole in my thumb here. That's a hole. Cool. That's a straight up hole in there. Not bleeding, but it's, it's just, that's what happens when you take off enough meat. It's like, chasm. it's like, I ain't going to bother bleeding. Nope. I'm just going to be empty. Yep. Ooh, it's like my life. <laughs> and, uh, and then what did he do before? Sicario. No. Yeah, Sicario. So yeah, and then Arrival is his first sci-fi movie, and then by the and time he, he starts it. working on Arrival, he signs on for Blade Runner, so which like, just fucking like, like, oh, wow. two sci-fi movies in a row, brain meltingly beautiful. Yeah, and then Dune is now three sci-fi yeah. movies in a row now, right? Um, yeah, he's, he he kills it with the science fiction, great sensibilities. Yeah, right. He, he does all and uh, uh, like 
spectacle, but not spectacle in like a Marvel all whiz bang sort of way. More like a or a Michael Bay way. Yeah, or Michael Bay way. Spectacle in like a, a Kubrick way. Like like look at this amazing thing. Look at this huge thing moving slowly across look, the sky. Look look, it's the desert during the golden hour. Yeah. Be in awe. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> look, 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 look and at I'm this. like, oh my god, you're right. You're no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be be in awe of the things that that nature has provided for us. Do you believe in a god? You might now look at some of these images. Like who put this here this stuff's incredible um yeah and then like you match that with the big bombastic Hans Zimmer score come on come on now it's all it's like it's self-serious in a way that uh delights me well no (laughs) it's serious enough to be believable as like a real thing yeah but fantastical enough to be like, oh, this is definitely a fucking movie. Like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> Some of this shit is crazy, but then it's... And I know it's just going to get crazier. But they sell it so hard. Yeah, man. Dune it's two, gotta. Dune Part 2 is going to be fucking wild. Because, um, I mean, they bear, like, they mention the spice and its psychoactive properties, but with the second movie, we really started getting into the psychoactive properties. And we talk, maybe, maybe we're talking I, full-on trips. Maybe I should spice it up. <laughs> maybe, well, <laughs> maybe on a second viewing. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Aaliyah may fuck you up. Let's take a quick... Now that you've seen the movie, you haven't read the book, you haven't, nope. and you haven't seen the David Lynch shoot only bits nope. and pieces or yeah. whatever. Throughout. Yeah. Throughout time. Uh, but now you've seen Dune, part one. So uh, I'm going to have you take a quick quiz. It's called How You Dune. <laughs> and I'm just going to uh, say some uh, nope. Dune glossary terms. <laughs> and, and you're just going to tell me, hey, you'd be surprised just to see if you know what it is. All right? Uh, number one. What is the Gam Jabbar? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You don't know the Gam Jabbar? I hold the Gam Jabbar to your neck. It's the. It's oh, the, is that is is that the uh, the knife made out of the uh, Shai Halud tooth? No. Oh, that's number two. <laughs> the Chris knife. Okay. The, the the Chris knife is made out of the tooth. The Gam Jabbar is when he takes the the test. He oh, puts that, his hand that in the box, poison dart. And then the poison dart. No. I think that it's specifically the needle is okay. the Gam Jabbar, but I think people also reference the whole the test by that name. Oh, okay. Um, all right, number three, Shahalud. I mean, that's the sandworm. Yes, very good. Number four, Arrakis. I mean, that's the planet they're on. Yes, number five, planet. Arakeen. Ooh, getting a little more specific there. Probably has something to do with Arrakis. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's that little city that they're okay. that they're in that you never actually like go into or see. Yeah, uh, it's a, yeah. yeah it's just like a shell of a city. And then a, at one point, it's there. Yeah, it's just there. <laughs> and uh, and to be fair, in the book. It's just there. Yeah. They don't get yeah. into the city life like at all. It's very funny. Um, what was that number four? No, I'm just noticing. I'll talk about it. Number five, the Tahiti Challenge. <laughs> Do not too many challenges in the movie. The Tahiti Challenge. That's the Fremen Challenge when he okay. challenged the leader. And, and oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, gotcha. yeah. Okay. Uh, number seven. The the uh what are, what are those things called? I already forgot the name of it. See, you don't even know. Ha! Fuck you. Yeah. See, so I, I lose. How you doing? That's how, that's how you play. How you doing? Um. Yeah. See, you get it. You get it. I, I think it's because there's so much shit like that where it's just the like, lore, the quizettes, hatterack, you know, <laughs> shit like that, and weird ass names, and people gotta say these things like crazy seriously yeah like it's Be- the most important thing because in the world. it is yeah to them it is uh and it sells the import of it um yeah it just all comes together in such a <laughs> such a cool way that i really enjoyed it I, I enjoyed it very very much i enjoyed it very much i did uh re some of it 
on HBO. I, I almost rewatched it last night yeah. and today. I still might rewatch it. Yeah, today. might as well. Put it on. <laughs> um, I will say, you know, it's like uh, the sound design so important in the movie that like I was cranking up the volume pretty loud to try to replicate some of the, the cool sound stuff. design <gasps> stuff. Not even that. Like when it gets quiet, actually. Actually, the reverse. So when it gets yeah. when it gets quiet, the first time he uses the voice, yeah. and it, it's it's cinema's most um, psychedelic. Please give me the water scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because everything is all weird. And it gets, yeah, it gets weird for a second, and then when he does use the voice, and it starts with like a bass rumble first before you actually hear voice. Like that shit when it happened in the movie, it it, <laughs> it generally surprised me. I was like, that is a choice. And I love it. No. Um, actually, the voice, which for people who haven't seen Dune, it's just like a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, basically. These are the, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Oh, these aren't the droids I'm looking no. for. It's just using the Give voice. Give me the water. Yes. Um, the voice in David Lynch's one, when they use it, the way they they double up the voice sound or whatever, it does it doesn't sound cool. It sounds kind of corny. I never liked it. Uh, so going into this one, I was like, how are they going to handle the voice? Uh, this could be. You know, this could be a sign of like, eh, maybe they're not going to nail everything. There may be things that, that I don't like about it, and the voice could be one of them. And the first time he used it, I was like, fuck, that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking awesome. Shit. And then when it keeps coming back throughout the movie, I'm like, yeah. shit, the voice is scary. Mm-hmm. This is really good. Um, and then a similar thing with, um, what is it? The, uh, the, the voice. And the, oh, so in Lynch's movie, and then not just to compare these movies. But it is an interesting example would be like how one great filmmaker trying to tackle the same material and Failed. even the same dialogue yeah. and how his approach just Didn't in work. retrospect often doesn't work. So much inner monologue. Well, the book is a lot of inner monologue, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the book is someone walks into a room and they look around the room and then it's a couple pages of them like examining the room and the people in there and, and working out the permutations of the mind of what may be happening, all the um, the political ramifications, all that shit, right? Uh, so like in Lynch's movie, all that stuff does happen, but then it happens uh, in like voiceover as if they're thinking, as if it's their thoughts. But they always have to whisper their thoughts because mm. it's in their quiet mind. Mm-hmm. So it's like throughout the movie. So oh my god, it's so annoying. It's just like Kyle MacLachlan just sitting there, and then his thoughts being whispering, "Is that the Gomjabor or whatever?" <laughs> and like, oh my god, it's so corny. This movie uh, does something where characters, instead of thinking things, they mumble them out loud to themselves, mm-hmm. and then someone else in the room is like, "What'd you say? Nothing." <laughs> you know, something like that. Squat. Yeah, no, 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 about it. Uh-uh. Or they'll be like, "You heard me," and then they'll walk out of there. Uh, or they just excise that turn into, or they turn into exposition. It's interesting how they work it out in this one. It just feels more naturalistic, which is a weird thing to say when you're talking about a science fiction movie set in the year 10,000 involving giant sandworms. But it does feel more realistic. And psychedelic space glitter. Don't forget the space glitter of, of life. And it makes space travel possible. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Without it, interstellar travel is impossible. Man, spice is some good stuff. We gotta get some spice. How do we get some I mean, spice? I'm down. I'm all. I'm all. I mean, for unfortunately, it. on the planet Earth in this universe we live in, the uh, spice is synthetic marijuana, and that shit drives you. <laughs> no, crazy. spice is bad here. <laughs> that spice is so bad. Another thing that I'm surprised how well it works in this, because I never really liked it in in the in the Lynch one or the Blue Eyes mm-hmm. in the Lynch one. And just the limitations of the technology of the time, when they put the blue eyes on them, it's just a flat blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, when it does that, it takes away a lot of you know their expression, weirdly. 
um, in this one, especially when you get close up to their face, it, they're shades, right? Yeah. So like the white of their eyes are light blue, and then the the, the what is that? The iris is like the darker blue. Um, so instead of just being a flat blue, it's like they still maintain the integrity of their eyes and how their eyes look real, but then they're just like as if they were jaundiced but blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks it surprisingly looks good. Yeah. Like it just every. I feel like in this movie, they had a lot of chances to shoot themselves straight in the foot. Pow! Blow off those toesies. And they nailed it every time. Like, the mentats were cool. The human, when the fur in his eyes go up, mm-hmm. and he does a computation. Like, fucking, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Every, everything about the Harkonnen. Everything about the Harkonnen Super is cool. Super creepy. Yes, it's all great. Uh, stellar Skarsgård, he's so stellar. I want to see Dave Bautista murder more people. Yes, man, when he was just like hacking off heads, he's he's a beast. His name is Beast. He does a, he's a, he does a good beasting. He does some good beasting. That's a good fucking movie, man, and it needs to be seen in theaters. Mm-hmm. Forty million dollars is a great opening weekend. I wonder how much more it would have made if it wasn't available on HBO. Maybe it could have been. 50 could have been like 55 you know something like this 160 million dollar uh, sci-fi epic that is more philosophy than than fights mm-hmm. i mean come on come on guys hey at least they made 40 i think that's good so i think that's good they were hopefully we'll get a sequel they were estimating 30 40 is good what's her i don't know her name but the head of stacy something the head of legendary no warner brothers not Jason Keelar, but someone else. When they asked her about um, the future of Dune and Dune Part 2, if it's going to be greenlit, she just said, well, I think the last line of the movie like says it all or whatever. Good. And, and the last line is very much like mm-hmm. like a this is only the beginning kind of line, yeah. that type of thing. So, yeah, that's for sure. She's like, yeah, we're going to do another We're thing. in. Good. I mean, they still they haven't announced much in terms of details, but I think they're still doing the Bene Gesserit um, sisterhood HBO show, okay. which is fascinating. Yeah. That sounds really cool. That could be fucking dope. Yeah. A bunch of weird Dune witches. Yeah, Dune witches. <laughs> yeah, Dune witches. You, using the voice. Yeah, it's like imagine if instead of it gets it gets posited in in Yodorowsky's Dune. Imagine if Dune was the predominant science fiction pop culture element from the seventies forward, as, as opposed, opposed to Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Star Wars is fine, you know, the Force, be good, good versus evil, well, it has, I mean, has some very straightforward moral whatever. Well, yeah, well, it, it's because it's a, a fucking, it's textbook Joseph Campbell. It is, it, it's modern, it is literally modern mythology. It is, it which is. is why it became which is why what it, works, it was. Which is exactly why it works. Yeah. Great iconography is why it works. But Dune similarly has a hero's journey. Oh, yeah. Um. It just emphasizes the negative aspects of that hero's journey as the journey progresses. We'll get more of that in the second movie, and then if they continue with the sequels. But they touched on it in this one. Yeah. It's not a it's not it's not a pure journey. He's not a straight up hero. He he has to well get into details. He has to do bad things in order to do good things. He yeah. has to, and then he sees a future, a possible future that is bad, uh, but done in his name, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, 
we don't get many movies where it's about the hero openly grappling with the consequences of his actions, whether he gets to take them or not, or whether it's his choice well, or not, not being the one, yeah. right? Mm. How I mean, we get the rejection of the call. We got King, we got Arthur throwing his sword in the so world, far right two hours into this two hour and thirty minute movie. He's like, I still don't want this fucking sword, <laughs> you know. But it's like uh, that's just more him just being like, take it, man. Yeah, that's just him being a coward yeah. and being like, I don't want the responsibility, man. I want to be a cool bro and bang bitches, as opposed to Paul being like. Like, we're just going to take over Dune, like the Harkonnens, and also exploit the people. Like, he's asking the big yeah. questions. Yeah. Um, no, we want to work with Yeah, them. we want to work with them, son. It's different. We're going to try to do things different. I mean, it's... I'm like, Apple, I think different. I mean, <laughs> it's all going to become the same in the end, but different. Yeah, yeah. Is it, all, is it all the same in the end? You know, I mean, no matter who's in charge, the Fremen don't give a shit. They're I mean, all outworlders to the Fremen. I mean... Chris, it's either you die here or live long enough to see yourself yes. become the villain. Thank you, Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> Thank you. The great philosophy so. of our time comes from Batman. We found out recently <laughs> on our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. So, you know, it's one of those things. Yes. Um, man, it's 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 great. Dune, Dune is great, and it's uh, I love the philosophy of it, even if it's pseudo-philosophy. It's and, fine. Yeah, it, if you want to, at least it's thinking. Yeah, it's trying. It's trying <laughs> to think. It's trying to think. If you want to accuse of like fake thinking, at least it's faking it. Like I don't give a shit. At least it, at it's, least it's thinking. It's given us something to talk about, as opposed to um, it was cool when Optimus transformed into a gun and then like flew into outer space. Yeah, bro, that's cool, yeah. bro. That's cool. Wait, you mean Optimus could fly into outer space this whole fucking time? <laughs> what was the point of the last movie? Yeah, why was he just dri- <laughs> why was he just driving around? <laughs> And walking. Why does he walk anywhere if he has rocket feet? We're not going to relitigate this. <laughs> this prime thing. We're not doing it. They finished shooting Transformers. Uh, what is this? This Beast Rise of the Beasts. They're doing the uh, the Beast Formers, Beast Wars. That era of Transformers now. Oh, I, th- I think that, I think that's like early two thousands. That became popular when I was in high school. So nineties? No, early two thousands. You were in, you were in high school in the nineties, brother. Dude, I graduated two thousand one. Yeah, so you my, said it was popular in high school. Yeah, the, my, like the last two years of my high school. So 2000, 2001. Oh, okay, okay. So you are, you're younger than me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not part of the smoke-free class of 2000. I'm part of the... Oh, I'm, I'm smoke-free 2000. Free drug class of 2001. Oh, that's that sucks. Free drugs? <laughs> free drugs. <laughs> Shit, that's progressive. Where you grew up in uh, Scandinavia? The, um, what's his name? The guy who shot or who directed Creed Two. And the movie The Land, which is okay. Uh, he just they just finished shooting the new Transformers movie. We'll see how the, we'll see how. This I mean, yeah, as long as it's I mean, they're, the they, last good Transformers movies was Bumblebee, and that's because it was a small Bumblebee little was character yeah. movie. Bumblebee was cute, man. We got ourselves a Haley Steinfeld, uh, a bad body, guy John Cena, body by Jake's niece. <laughs> yeah, John Cena is in it, and, and he's a bad guy. And who was the, who directed it? The guy who did um, Kubo and the Two Strings, and um, I mean, it was one of the guys. A good director. It, it's probably one of the best Transformers yeah. movies they made. It's like it's that one <laughs> in the first one, like the only one. Throughout the rest, except with Wiki. Sandwich Wiki. We have to find the glasses with the Sandwich map on Wiki. them so we can get to the Allspark to get to the other Transformers Sandwich Wiki. So we can get to the other Transformers movies and make them all worse. Make them all worse. We have to make them worse, Sandwich Wiki. Sam. <laughs> Atreides family, roll out. We got to get that Transformers <laughs> Dune. <laughs> Crossover going. Transformers Transformers Dune. Dune. Transformers just show up on Arrakis. That they, would be looking for the Allspark. Yes, looking for the Allspark. <laughs> that's, we that's, heard the Allspark is on Arrakis. That's, 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 
That sounds like a bonkers fucking movie. The Decepticons have teamed up with the Harkonnens. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they have. Yeah. And the Autobots with the Atreides. Yeah. The Baron promised us the Allspark. Some, somehow at the end, the Shai Halud kill all the fucking Decepticons. Fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> Fuck I don't know how, but that's how the how this rolls. If those Decepticons have any water to sacrifice a Shah Halud, it's gonna take it. That's almost as silly as apparently there's a Transformers Terminator comic book out there. Transformers Terminator. Okay, that is silly. <laughs> I think that one. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't they on the same side? I don't know. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you can't take over the humans, Terminators. Uh, and they just they're just like and they shoot them. Um Terminator vs. Robocop is fun. Yeah. That's a that's a Frank Miller joint. Well, that's because it's Frank Miller. Yeah. Frank, Frank Miller is just and he's good, he's really good with some stuff, not with directing movies. Yeah, that's true. No, he's terrible with directing movies. Um, yeah, man, Dune, shit, good. <laughs> a, a Dune of shit. A Dune of shit. So good. Dune is great, guys. Dune is great. Go see Dune. Um, no, yeah, I mean more than once if you can. Let's get into let's get into our media diet stuff because we have other stuff to talk about. Like I did mention, I saw Prometheus. That was fun. So already, I'm gonna scratch that one off. Uh, Why the Last Man episode eight? Yep, saw it. That was a good one. It was a hero heavy episode. I like when they. I like this. Some episodes are just hero and some are just why, and then sometimes it's a mix of the two. I enjoy that. Uh, I hope it gets picked up for season two. Because there's so much more to explore. It got canceled. Yeah. Canceled as fuck. There's just there's so much more to explore. Yeah. And as much as I hate the fucking CG monkey, like as a whole, the show's pretty good. Show is pretty it's pretty good. it does feel like it only has the the one grim gear that it's in. Like it has one mood. And it's grim. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, right, which that's understandable. You, you, you don't get to the hopeful part until the third act, Chris. It takes a while. <laughs> you gotta sprinkle some shit in. You gotta give us something. You gotta give us some dark humor or something. Well, I mean, yeah, there's more dark. I mean, in the comic books, there's more more of the dark humor. And like I said, there's all these other side stories to take you sure. away from the main sure, story. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. To and this one's being fill more... in the world, right, so. right, right. Yeah, and, and maybe this would have benefited from that. But maybe. then they're also trying to give you a tight show yeah. you know well, I mean, exactly. you have to make they sacrifices be... exactly because if you did it the other way it would be more of an ensemble piece where like for these side characters you would have to get someone like oh shit that was just so and so you know uh, yeah. just like did you see the newest uh, what we do in the shadows no I gotta catch up oh, oh shit <laughs> no, got a no shit moment in there I love that Donald Lowe shows up. Yeah, <laughs> Donald Lowe. Well, perfect for Staten from, Island. <laughs> from Blade, he's like, I was in the movie Blade, oh, yeah. and I was I wasn't a vampire, but then afterwards, oh. I kind of got into the scene. That's super it's funny. So weird. That dude. is so weird. <laughs> that, that meta element of yeah of yes. real vampires from movies is so crazy. It's hilarious. I love that shit. Yeah, I re I rewatched the the scene of the the council from the first season where Wesley Snipes comes in on a laptop. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and then it's like, it's clearly daytime yeah. in, in his shot. He's a daywalker. Yeah, and they're like, look at him, he's flaunting it. He's <laughs> and then he's having a bad connection. He's like, guys, can you hear me? Oh, fuck, that's funny. Um, yeah, and now Donald Lowe's a real vampire, too. That's so funny. I like that. Donald, <laughs> Donald Lowe just keeps popping up. How does he it's, do it? How does he do it? It's hilarious. Crazy. He's in Zodiac. How does he do it? Um... Yeah, Why the Last Man's good. It's good. There's only I think, grown on two me. episodes left. I would definitely like to see a season two. Now, it's what the word is. The word on the street. The reason it got canceled is money. So, with it being Duh. on Hulu on FX, there's no quote like ratings thing to really yeah. worry about. Um, 
But because of the long, like it took them a decade of developing, right? By the time they finally pulled the trigger on let's make this thing happen with Barry Keoghan. They spent so much money. They, they had already spent a ton of money. And they signed Diane Lane and Amber Tamblyn early, like a couple yeah. of years, right, uh, ago. And then they signed Barry Keoghan for the lead. And then he leaves and they scramble to find this guy to cast the, the whatever this guy's name is, Barry Schnetzer or something for why. And, um, and they cast them, and they're like, we're good to go, and it's February 2020. Pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> fucks, like, up, fucks up their whole production schedule. You, yeah. you, you guys do understand, we're, we're making a TV show about mm. a weird pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, <laughs> bad timing, bad timing. Um, that could be another reason why people maybe aren't responding to it in a certain way. And um, so the season is still airing now, but now in the month of October, a deadline, a contractual deadline came up to renew everyone's contracts. And in order to do that, to renew that contract, uh, $3 million have to be paid out to all those actors yeah. to, to be able to have them sit for longer and not take other jobs. Um and uh, who, who they, is they just weren't willing to do that right the, now. Yeah, the money people are just like we've just spent so much money. We're 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 hit, we're hitting stop. We're taking this opportunity to, to to stop it now. The obviously the showrunner, this Eliza Clark lady, she's she wants to keep going. Very passionate about the show. I'm sure Brian K. Vaughn wants to keep going. Absolutely, he wants to make money. So um, even though FX owns the rights. Outright, the word is that they are totally fine with them shopping it around, talking to other people, and um, who who was it? Damn it. Was it Netflix? I think Netflix is, is, is talking to them. Yeah, so it, there's a good chance that it's going to come back for a season two, because that's just enough buzz. It's unique enough. Problem is, it has to be quick, because if not, then they're going to lose some actors, and it's not going to be the same. Yes. A, or maybe losing certain actors could help. I mean, depending on who we're losing. We're looking at you, Yurik. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm okay with the new Y. I'm fine with the new Y. Give me, give me, uh, give me uh, someone. You know who would be a good Y? He's, he's too young, though. Cause how old is Y in the comic? I mean, he's like college age. Yeah, too young. Um, the kid who's the lead in the Chucky show. Okay. I'd watch this kid. He's good. He's a really good young actor, but he he looks young. Um. I'm going to segue into the Chucky show. I'll watch episode two of Chucky. It's on USA Network mm-hmm. to remind people. I'm watching via Sling TV because I'm a cu- cable cutter. Instead, I spent the equivalent amount of money on, on services. streaming services. Because yeah. I'm an idiot. Yep. And um, I was watching the second episode, and I'm like, man, these kids are young. Like, they look, these are the youngest looking group of 20-year-olds I have seen in a long-ass time. I started looking them up. They're a bunch of 14 and 15-year-olds. They, oh, they cast why. actual teenagers to play go. teenagers. That's uh, weird. It's weird just in terms of being like, man, you don't often, like, outside of a Disney Channel show, watch something that's actually probably with kids. But then, I mean, it's set in a high school. It, the, these kids are main characters. Hopefully there's, like, we're planning on doing a few seasons of the show. Well, we got to cast them young I mean, so that's they can smart grow so they into can, it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're, like, 14. Yeah. They, these are young kids. Well, yeah, because, like, w- watching the, like, Saved by the Bell, like, at a certain point in time, it's like, yeah. th- these guys are definitely, they're, like... They're in their mid-20s. <laughs> and, yeah. they yeah. and, and they look it. And they look it. Exactly. Uh Fucking what's his name? Zach Morris. Started, oh, dude, he started working out at one point. He got he got dude, thick. Dude, at this, once the college years started, it's like these guys are in the thirties. What yeah. the fuck is going on this here? Is, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and they had that one guy with the the long hair and the beard. He looked like, like remember that guy? He was like the RA. 
That was a weird character. Vaguely. That show sucked. Yeah, it was bad. It's crazy how even at our age in that time, knowing what Saved by the Bell is. The only reason I watched it was because I'd watched all the other Saved by the Bell, and I was, like, obsessed with Tiffany and Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it happens to us now, though, where we watch a show, we like it, but then as the show gets worse, we just stop watching it. Yeah. Uh, Back then, no. We we stuck with Saved by the Bell, but then once they went to the college years, it's like... I can't. I can't put up with this shit anymore. I watched. I watched it all. You watched it all. All of it. I watched a few episodes of the college. I was like, this is e- not even for me. even the TV movie for Zach and Kelly's. Wedding. No, those are fine. I'm fine with those. <laughs> That's a nice pow. Nostalgia. Hit. Nostalgia hit. They're terrible. Bad. They're terrible. There's the, so bad. There's the one they go to Vegas for Jesse's dad's wedding, I and then there's the one where they go to Hawaii. I remember the Hawaii. Their, that's one. their wedding. Yeah. That's Zach and. Uh, no, 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 that that was that, that was somebody else's wedding. Well, they did one where Zach and Tiffany, Tiffany, Amber, uh, Kelly got married. Yeah, but that was at the end. That wasn't the Hawaii one. That was not the Hawaii one. No, and then uh, and now they they're still married on and the it, on the reboot show. Oh really? Yeah, isn't that oh, nice? I forgot that there's a reboot and like some of them are involved. It's so weird. Zach Morris is the governor of California. I do not want to live in that world. That's hysterical. Yeah, that's a bad <laughs> world. Governor Zach Morris. No, that still is still married to Kelly. That is, that is so bad. Their kid goes he, to Bayside. He's he's cheating on Kelly like every other day. Yeah, probably. And their kid is an ultra gotta be an ultra sociopath. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, eating is not cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what an awful world to live in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Um, And you know what's a a similar world, Saved by the Bell, is the Chucky world, because it's like affluent, upper-class Hackensack, New Jersey. I love that it's Hackensack, New Jersey, but New Jersey has a lot of pockets of rich-ass fucks. And uh, Hackensack is, has those pockets, man. Yeah. So it's like every house is a mansion. All these people have maids and shit. Uh, they're so rich. But the main kid, his dad, his mom died young and his dad was an alcoholic. So uh, He's poor. He's poor. He's po. But then his dad dies in the first episode. So he goes to live with his uncle, who's uh, Devin Sawell. Remember Devin Sawell? Yeah. Uh, for like a 40-something-year-old Devin Sawa actually looking like a normal human being. Interesting. And um, so he gets to live in this big-ass house with him, and Chucky's like, see, we're doing good. See, I'm helping you out. Um, it's a fun show, man. The second episode was really good. And it's also like Halloween-themed, the second episode. So perfect for... I completely understand why they put it out this time of year. Uh, definitely recommend the show. Um, let me see where we're at time-wise. Oh, yeah, we're fine. The, uh, I watched this movie by John Landis from 1991 called Innocent Blood. Okay. Get this set up. Was the blood innocent? No. Well, <laughs> there's one guy who has innocent blood, but he's just, uh, no, he's not He's not innocent. First off, he's a cop, so he's definitely not innocent. No. It is a movie in which a vampire bites the neck of a mob boss and does not kill the mob boss. So the mob boss becomes a vampire himself, and then he starts biting the necks of other of his under guys, of all his wise guys, to create a so mob boss. Mafia? Vampire. Yes. Vampire mafia. So then this Italian cop has to team up with the vampire to take out the vampire mafia. Are you sure this isn't a subplot in what we do in the shadows? <laughs> Dude, does it sound obscene? Uh, it sounds it, insane it, it, and this, absurd. This sounds like a, a, a Taika Waititi comedy. It sounds like a comedy play straight. I mean, there's jokes in it, obviously, but it's like, no, we're making a, a horror film about vampires, vampires interacting vampires. with the fucking mafia. And the main mafia guy is Robert Loja, who, if you look this guy up, he's like, you might not remember, but you remember, because we've done it, Over the Top. Mm-hmm. Um, the old guy who's the grandfather of the kid nope. and, he, and he's feuding with him anyway 
If you saw Robert Lowe's, you'd be like, this guy. Him running around being a vampire and like killing people is a goddamn camp delight. It's so it's so funny. It sounds weird. And because it's a John Landis movie, it has some really great gore effects. Uh, very bloody. Definitely R-rated. And also a cool effect happens whenever vampires, like they go... <sighs> and they do their vampire freak out their eyes turn different colors red, blue, green and have like sort of look like cat eyes and they also sort of like are a little wonky no they're wonky like they they look a little further apart than they should Um, it's a cool looking effect though it's a lot of fun it's good I think the movie would be more popular if it had someone other than the lead actor in the lead role. This guy, Anthony LaPaglia, if you look him up, you're like, I recognize this guy he's just like run the mill early 90s bland Italian guy uh, he kind of looks like, oh, we couldn't get Billy Baldwin. No, we couldn't get Stephen Baldwin. No, who's the dumb one? Yeah, we couldn't get Billy Baldwin. Okay. <laughs> we couldn't get the one in Sliver. So we got this LaPaglia fella instead. Interesting. And you're like, fuck. You couldn't even get Billy Baldwin? Apparently not. She got me a LaPaglia? Yeah. yeah. He just he, he just has a dumb face. He's always looking like he's dumb. Um, Drew, Every Time I Die is Radical just came out this weekend. I still haven't listened to it. Fucking hell. I've listened to it like eight times already. It's so it's so good. It is their angriest sounding album in, I'm, I'm in cool a while. Yeah. As long as you're still just like straight up rock and roll. It's crazy hard, straight ahead, rock and roll. Um, pretty heavy. Yeah. Great lyrics. Mm-hmm. Amazing lyrics. And... um. Uh, man, I just it's just a banger. I, awesome. So so far, I like like every song except for like two so far. Like that's so com- that so that's like as good as Gutter Phenomenon. I mean, it is. I'm I'm putting it up there. Like as, like that album. Like for some reason, I can almost listen to front to back. Yeah, it's like I can listen. <laughs> I can listen to Gutter Phenomenon front to back. I can listen to um, uh, Hot Damn front to back, and I can listen to Low Teens. I can listen to front to back. Low Teens is a great album. This one for there's like one song in the middle. Where it's actually, I think it's written by one of the guitarists, and it features him singing on it, so it kind of sticks out. It doesn't. Okay. It, it yeah. almost works as an intermission. Gotcha. First five songs, super intense and angry. Intermission song, and then another four or five songs that's like, Wah! and you're like, okay, okay, right, yeah. uh-huh. we're good, we're good, we're good. Oh man, it's good. Radical is the name of it. I've listened to it a lot over the last couple of days, and then as I was listening to it, I think I came to a realization: this may be my favorite band now. Okay, because um, for the, over the last like twenty something years, I've been listening to them. Yeah. They've had a couple albums there for a minute. They did a couple albums in where a row. Like, where I was nah. like, nah, I think I may uh-huh. be out on these guys. But then the last like three, I've been back they, on they, board. They came back and. Um, Low teens and this one both hit me hard, and I listened to them a lot when they came out. As opposed to, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Colors 2, mm-hmm. which Between the Burning Me yeah. put out. And I, I, the same. I listened to the whole thing. And I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, yeah, this is a good thing. Yeah, okay, Between the Burning this is fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, but then when it was over, I was like, mm, I'm going to put on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do something else. Yep. When this album was over, I'm like, Let's do it again. Replay. Here we go. So good. Um, I think they're my favorite band. Okay. I think so. And, you know, it changes over yeah, time. No, For a yeah. while, it was uh, Pantera. Yeah. And maybe Between the Bird. It could have been the escape plan for sure for a while. I mean, for I, I keep going back to Minus the Bear for whatever reason. Even though you haven't put an album in a while that you've liked? Yes. Up to a certain point, it's still like I just... I like A you, song plays and it's just like, oh, I yeah. could listen to... I'm going to listen to these guys for the rest of the day. Yeah, I can All right. I can I'll do the first four or All five right. albums. Yeah. Do you like Omni? 
That's the last one that, that I That one grew, it took a while, but it grew on me. Interesting. I like that one right away. But, yeah. Uh, no, it, it definitely sounds um, different from the other Omni ones. grew on me. Everything else after, not really. I mean, their not acoustic why? stuff was fun, but everything else afterwards. I, I only like that first acoustic album. And then after that, it felt like, yay. <laughs> I think you picked the best songs already. And mm. now it feels like going back to the well. Yeah, no, all the other stuff or whatever. I just didn't like the progression. I hate when that happens. I can't put my finger on it. No, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, like I listened to the last Fall of Troy album that came out a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, new Fall of Troy. Let's come on. And it sounds like Fall of Troy. But it just, didn't, it just didn't do it for yeah. me. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, do I just not like these guys anymore? I go back and listen to their first couple it's albums. It's like, no, their first album, Doppelganger's awesome. Doppelganger's great. <laughs> this is good. Oh, man, I remember seeing, I saw them live. I saw them live a couple times. I saw them at the uh, formerly, now nah, it's another name. What was that place downtown? The tiny one. Yeah. The tiny one. Tiny one, yeah. Uh, I was there with the tall age. Yeah, I was there for that one. Bar or something. Uh-huh. Um, saw them again at the social, I think. I don't remember seeing up the social. Um, that's it for my media diet. What do you got? Uh, so I watched. Uh, there's a thing on HBO Max, uh, documentary series called Sacred Space. Okay, and it's four one-hour documentaries, each following basically a different religion. And their sacred spaces, you know, talk about the architectural design, where it came from, this, that, the other. Blah, oh wow! Blah, blah. Wow, so, that sounds cool. It was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. What did you I learn? Watched. What's the thing that you learned that's like I, that struck you the most? It's like what? I don't think I necessarily learned anything. It was just a, a different way of putting forth some of the same knowledge that I already know. Okay, fair. Okay. Okay, fair. So just something in your wheelhouse, right? Uh-huh. Into. Exactly. Sacred spaces. Getting a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Excellente. And then on also on HBO Max, uh, there's a new cartoon called uh, Aquaman, King of Atlantis. Yes, uh, I noticed that. Um, it is... It, it skews four kids, doesn't it? It looks like it does, animation. Y- yes and no. King of Atlantis, is yeah. what it's called? I mean, it's definitely... It's de- I mean, it's probably definitely four kids, but it's made by adults. Like, it's, oh, yeah, it, sure. it's this new form of kind of, like, silly, absurdist humor. Like, you know, Lego Batman and shit like that. Kind of self-aware. <laughs> okay, okay, yes, you're just About like, what's going on. Teen Titans, sort of. It, yes. So it's good? Yeah. Is it a movie or a show? It's a show. 45 minutes each, though. How many episodes? So right now, two. I've only seen the first one. 45 minutes each? Yeah. Oh, wow. Pretty, pretty hefty for animated uh-huh. thing. Okay. All right. Especially that if you're... The, the tone that you're describing sounds like it sounds better in a 15 to 20 minute block. I mean, kind of. But it works. Okay. For, for whatever reason. Okay, shit. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I was, I was, it was, it's, a, it's a weird little Aquaman show. Man, I knew about it, but it was not on my radar at all. Like you're saying, I should maybe check it out. Yeah. Give it a look for you just for funsies. Uh-huh. Yeah, see if you like it. Shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just remembered another thing. Uh, I did read Berserker. Okay. Be- yeah. Ber- Berserker. Berserker. <laughs> I read Keanu Reeves' Berserker that, and? You, that you brought over. Uh, yeah, it's great, man. It's a, it's a quick read for me. Uh, you know, it's a yeah. comic, so it's like... It depends on how long you want to look at the pictures is how quickly you want to read it. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I started I, I read it while listening to Radical. There you go. <laughs> so that yeah. was that was interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, and the album wasn't even finished by the time I, I finished reading it. But yeah, man, it's like super, super fun, crazy. <laughs> yeah, every frame, someone's getting killed. Like, he's just talking to his therapist, and it's just backstory of him killing someone, killing someone, killing someone, killing someone. Like, fuck. This is funny. <laughs> but he's got, he's got to get it out, Chris. I liked him being like... Uh, your people have studied me for centuries, and it's just like he's talking to Freud, yep. and someone's like poking him with a needle and stuff. It's so, fun. and then his clothes keep changing. Yeah. 
Uh, it, it's fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to whatever show or TV or movie thing that they end up doing with it. Or continuing comic book series. I'll I'll definitely want, I definitely want to keep reading whatever they do and yeah. whatever they're ultimate. Because this lady, for sure, she's like, I'm going to figure this out. No. I'm going to I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, you're going to die. Somehow, we're going to fucking kill you. We're going to do this together. I hope so. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I mean, hell, you're gonna be you're gonna be <coughs> lightning fucked by a god. Your mom's gonna get lightning fucked by a god. You're gonna end up some, with some trauma. <laughs> it's some weird powers. <laughs> some weird powers. What's his name? Unutu? Unute? No, it's fun. Berserker's really good. Um, I just remembered that I read that. Okay, so go ahead. You're saying that's it. All right, well done. Perfect. Because no, I've been playing a lot of Disco Elysium. So oh, back the yeah, end, having fun with that no. shit, man. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird fucking game. The way man. the way you describe that game sounds so fun. Yeah, it is. It is. It is strange. It's, that sounds cool for yeah. sure. Switch, right? Oh shit, shit. But it's also it's also available. I know for a fact, Switch and Xbox might be for the PlayStation as well. Oh okay. Or, or PC. All right, cross platform. You're, yeah. you're playing on Switch. Yes. Okay. Because my Xbox is fucked up right now. Maybe I can get it in uh, the Steam store. No, it's it it's been on Steam for years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it only recently came out on consoles. Maybe I should be getting on that Steam stuff for my video game fix that I've been getting. I mean, as long Although as... Although this thing probably can't... No, I, I would it. get a dedicated computer for that. Yeah, like, like an actual like a desktop. I mean, if you want to play the crazy good games, yeah. I mean, there are... Steam actually just came out with like a quote-unquote Nintendo Switch version yeah. of its service. So like it's... It has its own hardware. Some games play better than others because, you know, system requirements and whatnot. Sure, but. fair, fair, fair. Um, I'll figure it out another time. In the meantime, I said time twice. It's very awkward. We are going to take a break. We're going to be right back with the second half of the show. We have a couple of emails. We have uh, a few news. Not too many news stories. I kept a lot of the news stories because I knew it was going to be a full show. And uh, I got to say, we have the return of a previous segment. And no, I did not reread Dune Messiah, so <laughs> uh, I have some, uh, I have a magazine to read for you guys. So we'll be right back with the second half of the show in just one minute. Episode 459, feeling so fine. Like a glass of wine. Trisha Cogburn, I'm telling people to go to patreon.com slash crespity. So if they're not doing it, but it's fine, I'm going to keep telling them to do it. Do it. I, I heard someone once say that uh, when you are tired of delivering a message, uh-huh. that's the first time people are hearing it. Then people have been hearing our message for a really long time. Patreon.com slash Because I've been tired of this shit for a while. These motherfuckers <laughs> so tired of it. So tired of it. Patreon.com slash Crespity. So gonna force your hands. Gonna do it. Gonna force your hands. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, nigga. Oh, <laughs> dueling macho mans. Careful. Too much macho man in one room. The testosterone. It's a small room here. Everything will explode. Yeah, it'll be bad. Bad for us. Bad for everyone. Cinema so at gmail.com. Send us your emails and we'll read them on the show. I will send Drew the emails now so he can read them. He doesn't have them just yet. That's my bad. We will do it live on the air to tape. Because none of this is live. Uh, <laughs> but we do have, first I'm going to send you this email from our man, Cromello. And it's his spoiler-free Dune review. So here we go. I'm hitting forward. 
I'm hitting uh, sexydrew at doobie.com <laughs> and there we go. So that'll be exciting to you. And then we're going to follow that up with an email from our man, Scott the Spot. Uh, these guys are awesome. We appreciate them. So here we go. Emails are coming your way, Drew. Cinema across at gmail.com. Send them to us and we will read them on the show with aplomb. And then we will react to them with wit. And then you will appreciate us with money. Email from Carmella. What's up, Carmella? Hey, Chris and Drew. I can't wait to see Dude in theaters. There is no IMAX in Gainesville, so I will settle for 3D this week, I suppose. Fair. The great parts. Number one, an amazing attention to the tiniest of details as Villanueva really brings the worlds alive. Mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah. Really cool looking and loud spaceships. <laughs> yeah. Agree. It's so loud. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> One of Zimmer's best scores. Man, and like just weeks after the banger of a Bond score too. It's crazy. Jason Momoa steals the scene every single time in a movie dominated by heavyweight. Momoa is very likable, right? I, I, he 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 has a surprising presence in this movie. He does. He, it's a good for whatever reason. I, I think it's a good role, but the same role, yeah, it could be under underwhelming. He uh, he's good. I mean, it's not even like he's such a great actor. No, he just has it. Well, he he does, and when you put him in the right role, mm -hmm. it, it elevates whatever role you put him in. Pretty crazy. Like, it's a damn shame we only got him for one season of fucking Game of Thrones. I would have loved to have seen him. Called, that Call Drogo continues yeah. to dominate. That would have been cool. And it's a damn shame that his Conan the Barbarian movie is so, so bad. bad. Yeah, because if he you're going to do it with anyone. Because it was. It, it is perfect casting. It really is. He's a good, just, he's a good choice for, for whatever reason. It just. That movie did not connect. Add us to the Momoa fan club. Us and Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz. We all love them. <laughs> uh, the movie is faithful to the novel, but there are some interesting changes and some characters that I think really worked. Okay. Six, Blade Runner and Arrival are the obvious comparisons, but I recommend checking out Villanueva's 2010 movie Incendies before yeah. or after you see Dune. That's his first movie. Number seven. That's so good. Some of the best sound design. This movie goes from really quiet to really loud in the best ways possible. Which makes it tough watching it at home, especially if you live in like an apartment or connected still, unit situation. It's, it's, it's so good. It's the whisper and the thunder. Chris. It is the whisper and the thunder. <laughs> God it's, damn it. It's why it fucking works. God damn it. You're so right. You're so right. That's what it is. Fuck. Fuck. Uh, eight. The uh, yeah eight the best costume design ever. Fuck the Oscars if dude doesn't win, and fuck them regardless. I mean, it's gorgeous. And then it's gorgeous. The so-so, not even the bad, just the so-so. Okay, fine. Let's hear it. I'm down for it. Let's hear it. <laughs> Number one, I wish they had just made the whole six-hour movie instead of half. <laughs> as good as Dune is, I mean, it has it has a very Empire Strikes Back kind of ending where I was happy but really thirsted for more. Yeah, I mean, even wanting more. Number two, there is no question the first half of this movie could have been a 10-episode season one of HBO show. We deserve a lot more character development than what was crammed in part one. The fact that I loved the book helped me understand what was happening. However, they had to cut a lot of corners to fit this into movie format. In particular, the Harkonnens are kind of vague and generic movie villains. That's all. Look forward to listening to the spoiler Patreon. Do wish I had an IMAX theater close to me, like you guys do. Party on, movie bros. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate that. Uh, those are all, you know, fine points, actually. The Harkonnens are just, like, generic evil movie villains. But they're so, like, crazy looking. They're not generic. I can't say generic, because they're too weird looking. And influential. 
I mean, because because people, the, he, a lot of the villains that we see now have been have come. Well, from, no, and and here's the thing: I think that's why he feels that they're generic movie villains because they become like the archetype. Yeah, because they've been <laughs> they've been the villain to copy for sixty years, yeah. at least starting from a literature sci-fi standpoint. Um. Yeah, and then do we need nuance to Baron Harkonnen? He's a he's a jerk. He yeah. sucks. No, we get it. Yeah, he, they're driven he, by capitalism and greed. Yeah, and, we, I mean, we, capitalism, but greed and... Well, yeah, we, we get it. They're gross. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're gross. They're gross. They're so much grosser in the Lynch one. It's it's yeah. funny. It's so funny. It's yeah. one of the things I actually like about that. The um, Those are all uh, solid points, actually. Um, that's that's good. That's a good that's a good stuff. Thanks, Carmel. Appreciate it, buddy. We got email from Scott. Here we go. Scott the spot. He is the man. If he can't do it, no one can. It is entitled for Ron. Because we love Ron. Everyone loves Ron. <laughs> Ron. Doesn't everyone love Ron? Isn't he the best? This is for Ron the Wonderful out there in LA. Uh sorry, I'm way behind on my pods. I just listened to the why why the Peaky Blinders episode. Oh bro, that's it, like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> in which Ron asked y'all for a top bond theme picks. Well, as someone who actually owns a copy of the 1992 CD entitled 30th Anniversary, The Best of James Bond. Ooh. And even though I wasn't asked, I took this challenge very seriously yes. for Ron. Thank you. Someone did. Thank you. You see, Bond themes are not just about the song itself. They're a coda to what took place in that critical opening scene. But they're also about the arch history of the credit sequence. Basically, its own music video. Mm -hmm. And it also matters sometimes whether it's a male or a female singing. Mm -hmm. And who's doing the singing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Absolutely. And so here's my list. This is awesome. Best to worst of Bond themes. Mea culpa. At the time of this post, I had not yet seen No Time to Die. So in my ranking, this theme is based only on the song itself and what I saw on YouTube. My apologies, Ron. No, that's fine. We appreciate it. Ron appreciates it. And you know what, Drew? Since then, since this... We did that episode. I've actually pulled up a Spotify Bond list and went through and and listened to the whole all the Bond themes in a row. Uh, so now I can have a slightly better informed opinion. Of Good for you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this, this is gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to this. Number one. Yes. You know my name, Casino Royale by Chris Cornell. Man, that's a surprising. I mean, I guess maybe you just like Chris Cornell that much. Can you remember that song, Drew? It's the Bond. It's the Chris Cornell Bond song, of course. It's <laughs> yeah, weird. It's a Casino Royale one. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. He's got that voice, I mean, such a distinct it, voice. He has a very distinct voice, and I find it works better for rock music. Sure, like for whatever reason, in that context, like I, I get it, like sort of ballady. But context. it doesn't. It, it, for me, it doesn't do it. And you know what? You know what else it sticks out for? This is kind of tangential, but in Michael Mann's Collateral, he uses a bunch of like um audio slave music cues right so it's just like all of a sudden it's chris Cornell going <laughs> and like, this feels weird i don't yeah. know if this holds up in the, in the way you think of this michael man i love chris cornell obviously uh i'm a big soundgarden fan just of that age yeah still not a, big, not, not a fan it, of audio slave. yeah yeah it's an interesting choice for number one i respect it though i mean i fully respect that choice okay go ahead uh number two skyfall by adele that's uh, a great song number three for your eyes only sheena easton that's funny really when I, when I was doing my when I was listening to the list recently, that one it, to me that sounded like uh, the TV theme song version of all the Bond ones. It's the one that John Barry doesn't work on in the eighties. I looked it up because it's Sheena Easton. Uh, okay, no, great, go ahead. Number four, nobody does it better. The Spy Who Loved Me by Carly Simon. Okay. Number five, A View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Yes, I love that song. Number six, From Russia with Love by Matt Murno. That's one of Matt, the old, Matt Monroe. That, sorry, yeah, that's one of the old ones. Uh, seven, The Man with the Golden Gun by Lulu. Okay. Eight Lessons to Kill by Gladys Knight. Yeah, let's go ahead and snipe, baby. All right, yeah. Number nine, Live and Let Die by Wings. 
I love that. I just love that song. Number 10. That's my commentary. We have all the time in the world on Her Majesty's Secret Service by Louis Armstrong. Yeah, and then they played that again at the end of No Time to Die, which is fantastic. Number 11, Goldeneye by Tina Turner. Goldeneye. That's a good I actually like that song. That was a bit of a banger. Number 12, The Living Daylights by Aha. We were just talking about that on the Patreon coming out uh, pretty soon. Uh, 13 Diamonds Are Forever, Shirley Bassey. Diamonds are... Yeah, so, so, it sounds just like Goldfinger. Are you going to rank that higher than Goldfinger? Interesting. Number 14, The World Is Not Enough by Garbage. That band is garbage. That band is garbage, but yes, Drew, that band is garbage, but then that, that song, it, it sounds like a Bond song. I'm and, like, okay. And that song must be garbage. It's fine. Because it's, it's garbage. It's not a good movie either. That's a big problem. Yeah, it's funny that Garbage did one. Uh, number 15, All Time High, Octopussy by Rita Coolidge. And it's hysterical that that's one of the few ones where they didn't want to name it the name of the, the movie. Duh. Like, we can't figure out a way to make a song called Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> number six, I mean, they could, but it'd be a weird yeah, fucking song. And I want to get on the radio, and that's, they're always looking for those bucks. Uh, number 16 Thunderball by Tom Jones. Tom Jones, hell yeah. 17 Finger Shirley Bassey. Yeah, yeah. 18 You Won't Live Twice by Nancy Sinatra. I love that song. Number 19. Are you sure this isn't in reverse order, Scott? Um, yeah. Number 19 Another Way to Die, Quantum of Solas, Jack White, and Alicia Keys. That, that song is awkward. Number 20 No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. 21. Yeah, that's, a, that's a boring song. Die Another Day by Madonna. That one is the worst one. Uh, no, yeah. I think that may be the worst number one. Number 22 Moonraker by Shirley Bassey. Yeah, that's just that one's just uninspired. Twenty three, writings on the wall, Spectre by Sam Smith. That one's also boring. And number twenty four, Tomorrow Never Dies by Cheryl Crow. That one sucks. <laughs> that uh-huh. one legit sucks. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, Cheryl Crow. She literally caught into the microphone recording that bloody song, and she had the audacity to film her own Bondstown music video for it. It's horrible. Easiest decision in making the list was burying her at the bottom and working my way up. Also, help that tomorrow never dies is maybe the worst Bond movie ever. Take care, guys. This means you too, Ron. Scott. We love you, Ron. We love you, Scott. Uh, tomorrow never dies is the bat one of the worst ones. It's actually though, is it worse than? I feel like the Brosnan ones got worse with each subsequent film. Yes, and Tomorrow Never Dies was after Goldeneye. Man. I, it's been a minute since I've I rewatched those. Though that's just my memory of them. It's a very interesting list of of, yeah. uh, of Bond of Bond themes. Thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate you putting in the work. That's it for emails. I tell. All right, here we go. Chris Reed, Entertainment Weekly. See you on half two. Entertainment Weekly Monthly. Uh, we got Kristen, Kristen Stewart, Kristen yep. Stewart, Kristen Stewart on the cover for the fall movie preview because she has her um, Princess Diana movie Spencer mm-hmm. coming out that got great reviews out of film festivals and whatnot. So I read some crap in here. Here we go. There's a little bit here on the um, Hidden Legend of the Hidden Temple, Legends of the Hidden Temple reboot. Okay. It's going to be on CW. Is it going to be fixed like the last one? Oh, hopefully so, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, since found out that the first one was fixed, uh, what a bunch of bullshit, breaking our little kid hearts. Um, this one is for adults, so they had to upsize the set. Here's a picture of the set. Okay. It's outdoors this time. Yeah. And apparently, oh, I, I, I hope they do it when it's raining or snow. That would be, be fun. That would be awesome. They have to deal with the elements. It's in Simi Valley, California, so it's probably pretty sunny most of the time. Um, the new outdoor set is more than double the size of the 23 foot tall original, so uh, over 46 feet tall. Then um, the Royal Rage Room is the renaming of the King's Storeroom. That's the room where you walk into. You got smashed a bunch of pots. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. 
Now it's the... just like the old archaeologists did. Yes. Fuck those pots. I'm going to inside. That's you do archaeology. <laughs> um, Olmec got new square earrings as opposed to round earrings okay. because uh, that keeps them more in line with actual Mayan culture. I was about to say, is that more culturally appropriate? Yes, it is. And uh, instead of just random squiggles on the uh, temple, yep. it's actual Mayan hieroglyphs. Thank you. Uh, Word pictures, Chris. Sounds like a bunch of hieroglyphs. It's gonna be a bunch of bullshit. I'll, I'll, I'll watch an episode, I guess. Oh, I'm not gonna watch any of it. Of the silver, the silver snakes. It's gonna be awful. Versus the blue barracudas. Yeah, it's gonna be terrible. Um, Jacques Torres from Nailed It. Okay. You gotta do a little bit of a Q and A here. They ask him some questions. Uh, when they ask him for the one food item, he would bring to a desert island. What do you think he said? I don't know. I've never seen the show. You don't know who Jacques Torres. The world famous chocolatier, Jacques Torres. Chocolatier. He's gonna bring chocolate. He's gonna bring chocolate. You haven't even watched a single episode, nailed it. Uh-uh. Man, you you enjoy it so much. Imagine the cooking shows. I did it, it for a living for too long. Yeah, true. But it's it not, doesn't make me happy. It's really not a it's not a cooking show, though. Um, his favorite food scene from pop culture is a movie I've never seen. There's a 1973 movie in France called La Grande Buffet that consists mainly of people eating. Weird fetish. Yeah, it's just extravagant. When you talk about food in movies, I was thinking of that film. I want to see the Grand Buffet. There you go. Um, and then you would appreciate this. What is the one utensil can't live or bake without? Uh, he says you need good knives. You don't. You will hurt yourself. Wherever I go, I love bringing my own knives. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Drew, if you could be any cheese, what kind of cheese would you identify as, and why? I find myself as a, 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 a more of a Gouda. Because I got that like rhiny outer shell that you, you, you gotta cut through that red part, but then we get cut through that, and then so let's just get that nice. I mean, mm. I, I mean, mine, mine would probably be one of the like expensive, smoky, stinky ones, like okay. on, on the outside, smoky because you know I smoke everything. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and, and on the inside, stinky because you know I'm a shit person. Because you're a shit person. Okay, it's gonna be stinky. <laughs> he says it would be a French cheese, maybe a camembert, certainly a good cow's milk cheese, runny and smelly. So. Mm-hmm. And then he also says this. No, that's a good thing. Anyway, Jacques Torres is uh, sort of a funny. He seems like a fun guy. Him and Nicole Byer have a weird chemistry that works. Uh, so most of this thing, Drew, is a fall movie preview. Okay. Uh, so let me just go through and pick out a couple things here real quick before we can move on to the next thing. So there's a whole thing here with Kristen Stewart and her many outfits and dressing up as and Princess blah, Diana blah, blah. and in photo shoots. Apparently the movie's good, so we'll probably end up seeing yeah, it. Yeah, we'll end up talking about it, seeing it, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a thing. Probably talking about around the Oscars and what's not. But of course, Dune, there's Chalamet. Duh. He's got a big old thing there. So we talked to Denis Villanueva. And, and Timothy uh, Chalamet, yeah. Ding Dong. Uh, no, no, just Villanueva. Picture of him, but they just talked to Villanueva. And uh, here's a question that I found with the answer: What did you learn from making Arrival and Blade Runner going into Dune? Um, he said, "For Arrival, I was dealing with one spaceship. Blade Runner 2049 was rooted in reality, but based on another movie. So I learned a lot about world building from standing in the footsteps of Ridley Scott, because Ridley is a genius for design." And I studied how he did things from the inside. With Dune, I had to start from scratch building images. I've had in my head since I was a teenager. So, like, that's a big thing. We talk about Villanueva's world building abilities. He did get to work with Ridley Scott. Yeah. 
who's like the original world builder. So good at that. So amazingly <laughs> yeah, good no, at no, that. No, seriously, every every single Ridley Scott movie, whatever world they're in, I believe I am watching a world, yeah. not a set piece in a movie. Yeah, for real. For whatever reason. It's like, cool. he, he's just inherently good at that. It's incredible. Um, <clears throat> question. A crucial early scene finds Paul tested by the Reverend Mother. How did you and Timothy work to visualize the internal experience Paul goes through? That's true. It's yeah. like what we were watching was um, something that happened in his mind. In his mind. So how do you convey that? Here's the answer. We talked about the exorcist. By pushing Paul to his limits, the Reverend Mother awakens something dangerous, this heritage that Paul has inside himself. I explained that to Timothy. And as the scene evolves, you see something awaken in his eyes. It's like he's possessed by another force that's stronger than him that he doesn't understand. Seeing the way he acted that scene, like a scene of possession, I knew I made the right choice. He was Paul Atreides. I was so proud. No, yeah. I mean, he, in that scene, it's like all of a sudden, like a power that nobody knew was there was just yeah, like unlocked. unlocked. <laughs> and then there's like a hard, just in case you're, they were afraid you were going to miss it. There is like a hard music cue where it's yeah. like, bow. No, and, and, and then the and, Reverend mother is like, Oh shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I was just about to say like her face is veiled, but you can still tell through the veil that she's like, Oh, I'm not sure if that was good or not. Yeah. Like this may have been a mistake. <laughs> That's a uh, Charlotte Rampling doing amazing veil acting. <laughs> Incredible veil yeah. acting. Oh, shit is right. Um, how did you decide to split Dune into two into multiple movies? The book is so dense. There are so many things to show and explain. It's a story that takes its strength from details. So one of the very first things I said to Legendary was we should make two movies, and they embraced it. The question was, when do we stop the first part? That took a while, sculpt in the end, to make sure the audience will feel like they've been through a full journey, but at the same time, they will feel like there's more to come. I shouldn't say it like this, but in a way, part one is an appetizer, and part two will be the feast. Oh, I, I, I got the feeling. I mean, there a lot of shit happened in that fucking first movie, but at the same time, I I know there's so, so much, much more. So much more. So much more. Man, to get to where we need to get to, holy cow, it's going to be crazy. Um, Last Night in Soho is going to be coming out in a week or two. Looking forward to that. Right? It's supposed to be some yeah, weird, this is gonna be crazy. weird neon-soaked shit. Let me see. Yeah, this weekend. We're going to have a review of Last Night in Soho for episode 460. Um, starring Anya Taylor-Joy and this other actress, uh, Thomason McKenzie. Who's, I've uh, seen her in something else. Apparently she was in this thing, Leave No Trace is what blew her up. And she's been in stuff since then. She's a, apparently a hot item okay. right now. So yeah, not surprised you've seen her in something. She's a Kiwi. And uh, here is both of them on working with Edgar Wright. Mackenzie. This is so Edgar Wright. He gave me a list of around 50 films to make my way through. Motherfucker. Rosemary's Baby. You've got, you've got to watch all these <laughs> before watch. we make this movie. Yeah, before you, even, <laughs> before you even step into a room with me, you have to watch all these <laughs> movies. He's got a very high-pitched voice. I enjoy listening to him talk, actually. He's got this, like, fast way of speaking. The kind of guy that's got so much shit in his brain. Um, Rosemary's Baby, Repulsion, Don't Look Now. That really allowed me to get an idea of the mood he wanted. Don't Look Now so good. Donald Sutherland, that's so good. Uh, here is Anya Taylor-Joy. I met Edgar straight after The Witch. That was the first time he told me about Last Night in Soho. We've been talking about this project for years. Here she had cast me in Thomason's role. And then Edgar and I thought it would be more fun to be the slightly audacious type. That's interesting. So they've been working on this for a while, the two of them. And she even flipped roles at one point. That's crazy. 
Um, this is more of a visual chart thing that's more for a podcast, but the French, <laughs> the French Dispatch, all the actors in it, okay. and then they did this cool like color graph thing uh-huh. to, to show how many movies each actor has already been in for for Wes Anderson. Anderson. So Bill Murray is there yeah, at the top, top in the most, and then Owen Wilson. Yeah, and yeah. It's, pretty, it's a pretty cool little chart yeah. there. Most of them only have like three or four. Yeah, it's a decent amount of like no. uh, not not the most recognizable or the most used. And then there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight new eight newbies. Well, who I'm sure will at least at least add one more role to their yes stock, including I mean for the first time working with them, this is fascinating. I mean Chalamet is awesome, but Benicio del Toro getting his first go around, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz, Jesus Christ, it's gonna be a fun movie. Uh, that comes out wide next week. I don't know how we're gonna squeeze all these movies in next week. They had all a big thing here on the Eternals. Apparently, uh, these two, Richard Madden and Gemma Chan, they've been friends for years over in the UK acting scene. Okay. Uh, and they play uh, lovers, on and off lovers, of like thousands of years. Is, so. it, is Gemma Chan in uh, Game of Thrones at all? No, she's not. But Kit, <laughs> Harrington, enough, but Kit Harrington is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> and uh, Madden says, like, oh, we only had one scene together where I basically just said hi to him. Yeah. So it, it's not much of an on What's up with Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones, bro. Uh, so there's I got way early. You got to go to the shitty ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got out early. <laughs> I gotta make. That, I got out when it was good. I gotta be in a Rocket Man movie. Um, a thing here on Ghostbusters. The the Venus Serena Williams movie, King Richard. Uh, the lock, lock on yeah. House of Gucci. Okay. Yeah. Talking about just uh-huh. just dressing Lady Gaga. One page I mean, on that. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's called House of Gucci. I can only imagine what the fuck. We're talking to... Yeah, so again, I mean, Drew. Shit, Drew. You're, what, ta- what, you're talking about Oscars for Dune. Like, for production, what, for what, costuming. What does Gucci wear? If he if he designs designer clothing, like, what does... He doesn't wear his own shit. He's got to be inspired by something. Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what does Tom Ford wear? Yeah. Um... Man, you mentioned Dune. Dune has to win the costume design. Maybe for- not. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Here is Oscar-winning customer Janty Yates on how she created the looks for uh, House of Gucci. She uh, made 1,000 outfits for the film. More than 75 of those were for Lady Gaga. Many pieces were from Lady Gaga's personal collection, as well as the Gucci archives. Yeah. That's crazy. Like vintage suits and shit. Well, I'm sure... I mean, this is Gucci, so I'm sure they've got, like, you know... Well, Spring Collection, nineteen sixty three. Yes, you, 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 you go in there in and cold you, storage, and you, and you now probably not only do you have like a copy. I'm sure it's not in anybody's right size, but oh, yeah. but you've got a copy of it, and you probably got the quote unquote whatever the blueprints are and the material. You can find the material. Well, no, it, it, I'm sure the make material doesn't exist anymore, but I'm sure you could make something close enough. They added, yeah, yeah, they had to do a lot of work to recreate these books. No. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then, there, I mean, there's a thing on Halle Berry's MMA movie, Little Man Miranda's directorial debut. There's a whole page here on Jonathan Majors, um, his cowboy western coming out on Netflix here. Yeah, uh, the Harder They Fall. That looks awesome. Yeah. So there's a decent amount, but I'm going to stop here on the... Uh, on the Yaya Abdul Mateen II profile okay. for the Matrix Revo- uh, Resurrections. Where he plays not young Mor- Morpheus. Morpheus, not Morpheus, new Morpheus. What Morpheus? Young, not, but maybe, perhaps. Uh, obviously, a big question in the article <laughs> that they're like, we can't answer because he yeah. wouldn't tell us. 
Um, but this article does point out something interesting, that he has now made a good name for himself in doing characters that are like, uh, they seem like dubious choices to want to get into these IPs. He was Dr. Manhattan. He was Candy. Killed it. Candyman. Killed it. Candyman. Now he's going to be a uh, new Morpheus. I mean, he's like, gonna, what the fuck? I'm sure he's going to kill it. It's yeah. just... He's, but he's making these big choices, big swings, and they're working out for him. Um, you mentioned Aquaman in the first half, that animated show. Black Manta's coming back for the yeah. second movie. So, because uh, they show him at the end, like the bonus scene at the end of the first one is him being fixed up by a crazy doctor or something. Um, man, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm looking forward. Oh, man. The, when they show the trailers in front of Dune and they show the Matrix Resurrections trailer. That's, that's a bonkers trailer. Well, yeah, because John looks in the Matrix, and apparently he's forgotten who he is. He forgot who he is because we've been taking them blue pills, baby. <laughs> it looks insane. It looks insane. Um, here's a chart that just shows real quick. There are five actor-directors this season. Halle Berry, already mentioned, has an MMA movie called Bruised coming out on Netflix. Kenneth Branagh has this movie, Belfast. Did you see that trailer, the black and white movie? Uh, that may be like... That could be an Oscar contender, like, sweeping all the awards and shit. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. We'll see how that goes. Um, George Clooney has a movie called The Tender Bar, starring Ben Affleck, coming out soon here on... As opposed to The Bartender? Uh, as opposed to The Bartender. He is a bartender, but it's, a, it's The Tender Bar. That's an Amazon Prime movie. Um, so they will put it out in theaters in December, and it'll come out on Amazon Prime until January. Maggie Gyllenhaal has a movie called The Lost Daughter. That's a Netflix film. And uh, Denzel Washington has another movie, a Journal for Jordan. That seems like a real tearjerker with Michael B. Jordan. Um, and then finally, let's see, any names here? Yeah, some people know these names. Um, they have a list of potential Best Actress contenders okay. for the Oscars. Uh and this is yeah, best actress. So this I don't know, I don't know Catriona Balfe. I don't know she's the lead from Belfast again. Okay, we're gonna hear we're, we're gonna be hearing a lot about this Belfast movie. I think leading up to the Oscars. Jessica Chastain for the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Okay. Um, Olivia Coleman, who's already a winner. All right, she was like the queen in yeah. um, what's that movie? The favorite. Mm -hmm. um, she is in the Lost Daughter, the aforementioned Maggie Gyllenhaal movie. Uh, Penelope Cruz. Whenever she does a Pedro Maldivar movie, she's essentially a, a lock for, for awards consideration. Kirsten Dunst is in this Jane Campion Western called The Power of the Dog, uh, a Benedict Cumberbatch movie that's okay. getting a lot of good buzz. Okay. Um, Jennifer Hudson's portrayal as Aretha Franklin in Respect is going to get some consideration. That movie already came out. Yeah. You already mentioned Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana in Spencer. And other people that they mentioned real quick, we got Sandra Bullock for a movie called The Unforgivable. Of course, Lady Gaga. Um, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, which actually doesn't have a, um, a release date. That's her being a Lucille Ball. And um, Frances McDermott for Tragedy of Macbeth, which it has now played um, film festivals, and people can now confirm that it is still Macbeth. Okay. Yeah. There we go. It's, it's still Macbeth. Yeah, Ethan here's, a, here's another reiteration <laughs> of this shit. Here's another Macbeth. And if you watch the trailer with, with that and then the Justin Kurzel, um, Michael Fassbender Macbeth, like, oh, they both chose to do the whisper acting. Whisper. Whisper. What the mighty night Can you guys speak up for us in the background? No. Um, they also mentioned Jennifer Lawrence for Don't Look Up, but that's an Adam McKay 
comedy, so I don't know. There's also a really, really good profile here on Wesley Snipes in his uh, Don't Call It a Comeback. It's pretty great. Okay. Anyway, that's it for that. I read EW, so you don't have to, guys. You're welcome. Uh, how much time we got here? Not that much. We got about 10 minutes, so let's wrap this thing up here with some stories. I mean, we got to mention this one. Alec Baldwin killed someone. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's fucking Apparently, A cinematographer's dead. Fucking Ho- Hopefully he's not a good one. She, her name is uh, Helena, Helena Hutchins. That's a shame. And she, I looked up her IMDb, and it's a long list of shorts and only a handful of, like, low-budget movies. So she was still just trying to get it, get it done. Well. This is probably her biggest thing, getting to work with Alec Baldwin. Unfortunately, it's over. Damn, sucks. <laughs> and the director was injured in the shooting, uh, but just went to the hospital and he's out. His name is Joel Joel Souza. Look him up. He's just there's a low budget production. That's why this happened because yeah. it was super low budget cut in corners. And it sucks for Alec Baldwin being handed a gun that apparently had a live round in there for some reason. But he did, not his fault. He didn't know. He was handed the gun. It was the gun by, was supposed to yeah, be checked. Yeah, he was handed by the prop master and all those people. So who's in charge of 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 hiring these deficient people who fuck up it'd be the producer who's the producer of this movie that would be alec baldwin oh he fucked himself that sucks <laughs> that sucks for alec baldwin he may he may have some civil yeah. matters to deal with uh-huh. in in a, in a few months here um yeah it goes you have a prop master on set you have people who are supposed to be like this is how you handle guns this is what you do you know they roll they roll, everyone sits down they watch the crow and like okay <laughs> you know what this happened, right? We're not doing this. We're we're gonna do this properly, but they cut corners. Obviously, yeah. that's the only reason. And they pulled the crow. <clears throat> and they pulled the crow. And they shot this movie on the Brandon Lee soundstage. It's a real bummer. Really, Sully in his name. Um, the apparently there were two already quote like misfire incidents because they're shooting a western so there's yeah. a lot of pew pew going on still so there's already a couple of like fuck ups with guns on set I mean if there's one fuck up with a gun on set that's maybe par for the course okay alright alright let's take a breath <laughs> two okay prop master wow. you need to figure out what the fuck is going on please stop showing up drunk like what, why are you why are you fucking this up and now three and now three somebody it's, and someone's injured someone's dead someone's injured Director's director's injured, and this young cinematographer who's just trying to get started dead, dead, bummer, sad. Um, so yeah, guys, come on. If you're making a movie, don't don't fuck around with them, them prop guns. There's a story. Who was it, man? There's some young actor in the '80s. We talked about this, I think, on our. Uh, we did a bonus episode a couple years ago on like accidental movie and TV set deaths. Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about the, the Twilight Zone death and shit like that. And um, there was someone who just, like, there was a prop gun, and they just held it to their head, like, joking, like, oh, like, someone kill me now. And they pulled up, and he pulled the trigger on the and, prop and gun. there was something in there. The, it was a blank in there. And the propulsion from just the blank uh, fucking, like, killed him. He died. Yeah. Don't fuck with guns, guys. Don't fuck with guns. Um, speaking of uh, fucking around, finding out, Netflix co-CEO says, I screwed up in terms of his response to the Dave Chappelle. So this Dave Chappelle thing has been going on for a few weeks now. Yeah. Like it, it's just not going. It's, no. it's not going away. I just wanted to. Well, he's going <laughs> to just go away. <laughs> he's just. He's go away. Apparently not. Um, so to recap, Dave Chappelle does a special where he doubles down on his uh, uh, trans exclusionary commentary. And uh, a handful of high-profile 
trans showrunners and actors and comedians who have worked with Netflix have publicly been like, what the fuck? And then uh, some employees were actually suspended because right after that special came out, they like Zoom bombed a, a company meeting to confront. And be like, what the fuck? Yeah, to be like, what the fuck? So they got suspended. But then in the media, it was like trans employees mad about special get like it made it seem like oh man the people were complaining got fired but they did it in, in a you know in a very protesty way that anyway it's messier than people like to make it out to be mm-hmm. uh so i think it already happened there's supposed to be a mass uh company walkout um as a protest that was going to be happening in the meantime the ceo put out one statement where he was like um here's uh, ted sarandos while some employees disagree we have a strong belief that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real world harm uh after that statement came out like a week ago he has told variety of course storytelling has real impact in the real world and that he would have quote and that he would have quote been better in that communication they made the special i'm sure before they aired it someone said something and they were like you know what this is dave Chappelle. we're just gonna see how it goes yes i mean and they did it and now they're paying the consequence i mean i wouldn't be surprised if like a is that dave Chappelle special in yes anyone watch it no, no. put it up <laughs> <laughs> who gives a shit we're paying this guy 20 million dollars for this stuff um Sarando says he does not believe the special quote falls in the hate speech. Obviously, he wouldn't say that and that it won't be removed from the platform. And I'm fine with him standing behind Dave Chappelle and standing Mm -hmm. behind the content. And if they want to stand behind it and defend it and leave it up there, that's fine. That's their business. You don't have to watch it. And that's true, too. They have so much shit on there. You don't have to watch it. I choose not to watch it. I'm not watching it. You know, I, I I don't need to. I hear, I hear their special's not all that funny to begin with. So. I, I heard it. The Black Hasselhoff called it trash. Straight trash on Facebook. Well, there we go. So when I saw him tweet that or post that, I was like, well, then I'm not even going to bother. Um, there's way too much stuff out there. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is apparently bowing out of the Expendables franchise. He just okay. put up an Instagram post where he was like, hey, keep punching. And uh, it was like, this is my last day on set. Saying goodbye to the franchise, he is 75 years old. I was about to say, he's old. And he said that he's leaving it in Jason Statham's capable hands. So Jason Statham's going to continue the series until he's old. Until he gets older. <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. It helps for him to be, like, bald for over. It's like the same thing with Steve time. Martin. Yeah. Having white hair for a long time. Yep. Yeah. He's just aging into his look. Uh, so Sebastian Stallone is all right. You know, it was fun. I was expendable. Well, no, I'm expendable. But no, 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 I'm no. 75 years old, so I, I am expendable. No, I am expendable. So I'm going to do my daughter's podcast. It's fun. Sistine. <laughs> His daughter, Sistine. What, what kind of name is Sistine? You know, just, chapel. Just like the chapel. <laughs> She's a work of art. Look at her. She's beautiful. What are these eggs you made me? Eggs is a great. He, he talks about his daughter's cooking and stuff. His Instagram is hysterical. <clears throat> Mel Gibson will star in the John Wick prequel miniseries, The Continental. Mm, that could be problematic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it sunk my interest in watching. I'll tell you that much. Like, how, I, hey, how do you want to make a bunch of your fans not want to watch your thing? Mm. Cast the social pariah. I mean, I'll watch it. I don't know. <laughs> I I'm I'll, not, I'll watch an episode just to see what's good. I mean, it's a miniseries. It's only gonna be three like ninety minute episodes, and then it's done. What if it's good? I know, but then it's <laughs> Mel Gibson though. Fuck that but guy. What if it's good? Well, Mel Gibson, he, he told his girlfriend that he he hoped that she would get raped by a pack of n words. <laughs> but what if it's good? Oh, it doesn't matter how good it is. 
Um, Ruby Rose. <clears throat> Remember her? Speaking of John Wick, uh-huh. she was in the second one, I think. Yeah, is that that? F- yeah. Uh-huh. Um, hit woman, excuse me. Oh my god. She. Um, so she was in the first season of Batwoman. Okay. And then uh, after season one, she left the show. Okay, for because uh, she didn't like it for whatever reason. Yeah, they made it seem like she left for personal reasons or something. And then she even put out some statement like, "Oh, I came back too soon after a surgery, and it wasn't good for my body." Blah blah. blah. Um, now, now the mud has been slung in both of directions and, uh, let's see on which side it's going to stick. The word is that she was fired. Okay. And, uh, she was fired because of her terrible behavior to below the line people, people who are just not like actors yeah. or producers and directors, mm-hmm. just all, the, the, the workers, the workers, the IATSE people who are like wanting to strike because their shit sucks. Yeah. Cause they got to deal with people like Ruby Rose who get paid tons of money to then treat them like shit. Yeah. For $12 an hour. So, uh, they're like, um, uh, she's the, re- the reason why, uh, she got fired is cause she's terrible. She's a terrible person, better job. And then she was like, no, uh, like I left because there were, it was an unsafe set and they're unprofessional. So she tried to spin it back on them. And then more people like actors and shit were like, nope. No, no, Ruby Rose, she's a piece of shit. Everyone rounded <laughs> together. It's like Ruby Rose sucks. You fuck you lady, um, which is hysterical. Sucks for her. Sucks for her. Sucks for her for being such a bad person. Uh, remember Castle Rock Entertainment, that logo, Castle yeah, Rock? I remember the, the logo. Uh, on TV, they produce like Seinfeld and stuff. Uh-huh. Rob Reiner is rebooting their film division. And, okay. And he is a CEO. Um, in the 90s, they did Shawshank Redemption and yeah. The Line of Fire. Yeah. So they had immediate success back in the day. Uh, they've been mostly a TV thing for a while. But apparently, they're bringing back the film division. All right. Good for them. That is fun. I'm looking forward to that. Um. Uh, Already talked about in the first half why why the last man was canceled. It's all yeah. about money. So give me that story. Brian Tyree Henry has a very good quote here about how um, being cast in Eternals, mm-hmm. how um, it was empowering to him. And he explains here. Here he goes. The thing that really attracted me to this part was that I just think about all the images of black men out there and how we are portrayed. And what I love the most about Fastos is that, one, he's an ancestor. All of us are ancestors technically, so Fastos predates everything. And I have to probably go through all these things, which can actually make someone lose faith in humanity very quickly. And I remember when I was coming to this project that I, Brian, had kind of lost faith in humanity. But we're just looking at all the things that we've been through and just what the images of black men were and how we're being portrayed and how we like the power was taken from us, like the lack of power or feeling powerful. And what I really love the most about Fastos is that through all of that, him being eternal, him never being able to die, he still chose love. And then uh, this is interesting about the way he actually looks. I remember the first time that they were like, we want you to be a superhero. And I was like, whoa, how much weight do I have to lose? Because <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah, no, yeah. He's a big guy. Uh, and they were like, what are you talking about? We want you exactly as you are. And to, again, to be a black man, to have someone look at you and say, we want you exactly the way you are. It's unlike anything that I've ever felt. And so it triggered to me to be like an 11 year old kid who's watching superhero movies never ever seen anyone like me reflected uh blah 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 etc cetera, etc cetera, huh. representation so yeah. uh well yeah it's interesting that <clears throat> a semi-overweight black man can be a superhero yeah they cast him and he's like man i gotta i gotta start doing push-ups what's going on yeah. here? like uh-huh. you're gonna pay someone to watch uh-huh. me all day not to not eat a donut because i'm gonna eat a donut if i'm left to my own devices 
And then meanwhile, I got Kumail and Johnny on the same set, but like, I'm going to do this he's on like, my own. He's like, nope, I'm getting, I'm getting fucking Eternals ripped here, guys. I'm getting Eternals ripped, and I'm going to give myself body dysmorphia. <laughs> fucking yep. He did it to himself. He did. Um, big shifting in in Marvel and Disney releases, Marvel movies. Most of them essentially just got pushed back a couple months. Okay. Uh, which is which is fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. Most of them got pushed back a couple months, and Marvels is currently in production. Ant Man three in production. Indiana Jones five got pushed back almost a full year. So by the time it comes out, Harrison Ford will be almost eighty one years old. Jesus Christ! I'm not sure if I'm gonna see that movie. <laughs> Obviously, this is all because of the pandemic. Um, and ending, I guess, with a bummer. The Last Duel is officially really Scott's worst performing box office premiere. Oh. Uh, didn't make very much money opening weekend last week. Let's see how much. $4.8 million last weekend. I mean, it's, uh, it's a rough story to sell. That's what I'm saying. That, the, 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 I mean, it's the last duel, yes, but also almost like the first recorded rape. Yes, yeah, that's the last <laughs> duel, but why are they dueling? Well, we're going to gloss over <laughs> that part in the marketing, guys. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a tough sell. Um, $100 million budget. I mean, you can see that money on the screen. I mean, if... It, it's it, an expensive movie. It's fine. I mean... I, no, thought, I, mean, I thought it was good. N- nobody... Half the world doesn't even know about Exodus, Gods, and Kings, Chris. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they're like, excuse me? I was like, you know, Christian Bale as Moses? They're like, what? Exactly. <laughs> or this 1992 Ridley Scott movie, which I, had, I have never seen. I should probably check it out, even though it's probably surely not that Maybe it's not that. It can't be that good. Um, Ridley Scott made a Christopher Columbus movie called 1492. Conquest of Co- Paradise. Conquest of Paradise. I talked about that like a month ago. I, I fell asleep watching it. Oh. It was fucking boring as fuck. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, that only made $7 million. Yeah, it's Gerard Depardieu. That's, <laughs> right. That's right. You did talk about yeah. that. You did talk about Movie's that. It was like two hours, 48 minutes. I fell asleep like an hour into I'm it. Like, I'm just this bored. Is boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Conquest yeah. of Paradise. No longer really Scott's biggest flop. It's now The Last Duel. Interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't mind The Last Duel. Yeah, Last Duel's good. Um, all right, well, that's it. We've reached the end of the episode, so thank you, Drew Sakari. You're welcome. And you are welcome, listeners, for this week's free show. And we will be back next week with episode 460. We're going to have reviews of Lamb. Lamb. Yes, we're going to have a review of uh, the other thing that we said that's coming out. Uh, I think French Dispatch. Yeah. As well as uh, the other thing we said that's coming out. Uh, the, uh, the, the thing? And uh, No, not the thing. <laughs> you want to rewatch the thing? We can I just mean, do a whole maybe. episode on the thing. We already did that for the Patreon, but we could do it again. Um, Antlers, I think, comes out this weekend. Ah! And... Wendigo. Yeah. Went, Wendigo to the theaters right now to see Antlers. And uh, the other Whole thing. Weird shit. Last Night in Soho? Last Night in <laughs> fucking Soho. We got to figure all this shit out. So, guys, we'll be back next week with a bunch of nonsense. Uh, peace out. Take care. Bye-bye. A PFT Media Production.